Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do care about the Green Bay Packers and we don't care about anything else. Let's go. Hello, and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. Today, we are discussing a Green Bay Packers victory over the Minnesota Vikings, 41-17, to just domination from start, well, start meaning after the Minnesota Vikings blocked a punt, to finish the Packers, just steamroll the Vikings team that was called fraudulent going in. And the Packers said, yeah, yeah, we see why you're called frauds. Let us uh, expose that for a second here. And that's exactly what they did. Again, 41-17, to an incredible, incredible game for the Green Bay Packers. So with that, let's discuss the game a little bit because after the Commanders came out in the early game window and lost to the Cleveland Browns, the Packers only needed to win their next two games in order to make the thing that I won't be talking about because I haven't talked about it for weeks on here, but you all know what it is. And now they're halfway towards that goal, just needing to win next week against the Detroit Lions. So in this game, Watson and Nick Nixon, we both learned pregame, were active. Watson practiced on Friday, so it wasn't, you know, an extreme shock to see him active, though I was pleasantly surprised because usually when a player only practices once, they, they don't activate him. I think it speaks to how important Watson is. And then Nixon didn't practice at all last week, but clearly they view him as extremely important because they activated him. The the I believe in Matt Schneidman, I want to credit the proper beat reporter, put out a story about how Nixon did not think he was going to play, but he woke up on Sunday feeling like a Ferrari. And so he, he was out here today, and we'll talk about it in a second. He made a difference. In the first half, it was a hell of a first half for the Packers. They ended it 27-23, to and essentially everything went well. I wasn't particularly impressed by the run defense, which was probably the biggest letdown from the Packers today. They got run on pretty well, but in the pass game, you just Minnesota couldn't hit the explosives. They were forced to take a lot of quick checkdowns. And then the Packers made the plays that were there. When the pass rush got to Cousins, the Packers made plays a batted pass led to an interception, another tip pass on fourth and three or so, led to a pick six. And then on special teams, Keyshawn Nixon with his groin injury, I don't believe he ever had a groin injury. He was just trying to lead us to believe he wouldn't play just, you know, for some fun because he thought, well, when I score a touchdown, it's going to feel too easy. So I have to lead them on to thinking that I have a groin injury. But in, in reality, he didn't have a groin injury because he stood up he said last week I took 193 yards let's uh let's level that up a little bit how, how do we do that we take one 105 yards or something to the house Keyshawn freaking Nixon just such a game changer I mean the Packers absolutely need to find a way to bring this guy back because it's incredible when you find a guy whose ability at slot corner is just kind of an added bonus it's like yeah yeah, he's a he's a good kick returner, but really 
he's main, his main position was supposed to be slot corner, and now it's it's flipped. It's yeah, he's a good slot corner, but his main position is kick returner. Just a a phenomenal player. Packers pay him everything that you need because he has fixed a lot of their special teams issues. And then offensively in the first half, the Packers just did did what they needed to do. You know, Rodgers made the throws that he had to. He hit some really quick conversions. Missed Watson a couple of times, but some of that was because Watson was getting held and interfered with, and the refs couldn't call it because the refs are blind to anyone harming or interfering with Christian Watson. The second half, the Packers just ran away with the game. Uh, I mean, the af- there was a first drive where they abandoned the run, and that, that was looking ugly, but then they got right back on track after Kenny Clark got a strip sack and recovered the fumble himself. They began converting in the red zone because, like I talked about last episode, they started really just buttoning things up and running the ball well. So, with a Quadzilla rushing touchdown and an Aaron Rodgers rushing touchdown most of the second half was basically a wash, the Packers just closed out the game. So with that, I think we'll jump into the offensive notes from the first half. The Packers just dominated on the ground. Their offense ran solely through the running game. Jones got 14 touches. AJ got 12 touches. Patrick Taylor got five touches. It was just really, really nice to see their ability to run so well. Jones averaging 7.9, insane 7.9 yards per carry on the ground. Just absolutely opened everything up. It opened up a bomb to Robert Tunyon. Uh, which, you know, was uh, a successful first-half drive. It helped with another successful first-half drive that resulted in field goals. It opened up the bombs to Watson that the Packers were just off of hitting multiple times. And then in the second half, it just brought the Packers well on their way to a 40-burger. It got, obviously, Dylan his touchdown. It helped Rodgers get his because everyone's obviously so worried about the, uh, the running backs. How were they able to do this? They could not run well at all in minnesota and so what what changed and the the reality is just the offensive line because i mentioned how in week one we had two guys that we've since replaced and those guys are newman and hansen instead of royce newman and jake hansen you have elton jenkins and bakhtiari and when you're replacing two backup guys with two all pro level guys yeah, that, that's going to make a change because those guys just dominated along with the rest of the offensive line. The interior of the Packers' offensive line shredded the Vikings' interior defensive line. They opened up holes left and right. The Packers were able to run power, run sort of everything through there. But arguably, the edge game was even more impressive. I think that was something that the Packers wanted to attack because you saw a lot of pitches to the short and long side of the field. Zadarius Smith was targeted badly, and he wanted absolutely no part of David Bakhtiari, who was just back to his mauling ways. Zadarius Smith, I believe, ended the night with zero QB hits, sacks, or pressures. He also ended the night with no handshakes because he did not shake Adrian Amos's hand at the coin toss and then, right after the game, went right back to the locker room. So that's a guy who's a little bit salty, but just phenomenal offensive play tonight. I was really impressed with how they buttoned the, 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 the you know, how they buttoned them, how they buttoned things up and ran ran the ball. The passing game, that's my sort of my second thing. I think they used the passing game perfectly. The Miami game was was sort of an exception 
where I, I did think that they used the passing game properly, but they didn't use it in the classic LaFleurian sense. They preyed on a poor Miami secondary and just let Watson, Dobbs, and Lazard shred the outmatched defense. Well, in this game, they went much more towards the we're going to let the play action game open things up and then off of that we're going to get the quick games when we need it but most of all we're going to get our explosives off of play action instead of relying on this drop back passing game and it worked really really well obviously there was the 25 or 30 yard touchdown to Tunyon off of play action Rodgers just barely missed a couple of bombs to Watson all off of play action and so clearly they let the play action game um, open things up, bring them the extreme offensive success instead of relying on their receivers to get open in this drop back passing game. They just let the quick game get them there, you know, 10 yards at other times when they couldn't go play action, like in those drop back third and 10 downs. You hit Watson on a quick dump off later in the game. He got some rack to get 10 yards for a first down. Lazard early in the game, I believe, plowed forward for a quick for a quick uh, 10 yards, as did Cobb. And so it was those sort of quick outs where the guys got forward that helped them convert a couple of times, and then off of that, just a lot of running and play action. And that is what allowed them to put up 41 points. I know technically, technically 14 of those were special teams and defense. So quick math here, 27, I believe, offensive points were, were produced, but it's still, it's still a good game. And then defensively, Purple people eaters. That's my first note because the defense, from a statistical standpoint, did give up 17 points, but they had only given up three into the fourth quarter. Their really fully first team defense only gave up three. But my goodness, some parts of the team, the defense specifically, just absolutely came to play. The pass rush was there for a lot of the night. Justin Hollins, he was getting to Cousins all day. X Ram, can't believe they let him go. Enang Bari, we've all talked about him. He's played well. And then Kenny Clark, should I mention him? I mean, you all know who he is. Again, not so great. Started out really hot September, October, treated Kenny Clark very well. Came into November, sort of quieted down. You couldn't see as much of him. And then the calendar flipped to December, and Bears, Rams, Miami, and now the Vikings game. Kenny Clark is just a menace. He dominated the Vikings' third-string center after their backup center, uh, you know, had to go out in the middle of the game after their starting center was declared inactive and this pass rush from the interior and Kenny Clark and also from guys like Justin Hollins on the outside was absolutely instrumental in this Packers victory they forced some wayward throws they tipped a pass at the line that resulted in an interception and then Kenny Clark sack stripped and recovered his own fumble did everything on that play it was really really an impressive performance from the guys up front and then other players who did well Jair Mersoul and I, I don't want to talk about Jair right now because we'll talk about him in a second. Um, I've got a lot on him. But Rasul Douglas, my goodness, just a really, really, really solid game from Rasul. From the jump right, he broke up a third and four pass to Thielen. And he just didn't stop there. He he has really bounced back since the Ram game, Rams game, had a good game against Miami, and now a good game against the Vikings. So great to see from Rasul Douglas. Now, that sounded pretty positive for the defense. My second sort of note is that things weren't all good. Things weren't all 
butterflies and sunshine, sunshine, as people like to say. Again, Kenny Clark, Jay Alexander, Slayton, Douglas, Hollins, they all came to play. But again, the defense wasn't exactly unlucky. The Vikings marched into Packers territory multiple times and didn't get any points out of it. They missed two field goals. Another time, the Packers caught a tipped interception. Um, a fourth time, Kenny Clark uh, strip-sacked Kirk Cousins. And then a fifth time, the Packers had another picked interception. So, yeah, you could say the Packers held the Vikings' defense to only three points through a lot of the fourth quarter, but they also got pretty, pretty lucky, and that's definitely a claim that you can make. You could say there's a potential 20 or 27 points that the Vikings left on the table simply because they missed a kick or because the Packers got a turnover. And so, yes, the Packers' defense made a lot of plays, and that's all great, and one of my keys to the game was make the plays when they're there because... The Packers' defense is not a lockdown defense, but they they can play well if they make the plays when they're there. And they did they did do that, but they just didn't really shut down the Vikings as fully as the score, at least prior to midway through the fourth, would have you to believe. Okay, so we talked about the defense. A good game, capitalizing on opportunities again, but not totally lockdown offense. They're just finding a groove. Now we'll finish things off with my players to watch. Number one, Aaron Rodgers. This was not a miraculous next level Aaron Rodgers performance, but I did say that I thought the way that he played would indicate how successful the offense would be. And that's basically exactly what happened. He just did what he needed to do. And that was beautiful. It worked perfectly in this game because a couple of times he, he made some nice plays, right? He pump faked the living hell out of a Minnesota defender on his rushing touchdown. He got out of the pocket and created a couple of times. But on the whole, he just managed the game the way that he needed to and didn't miss. And that's that's absolutely critical. When you're that, that game manager, in, in this game specifically, Rodgers is obviously an MVP, so not a game manager on the whole. But when in this game your job is to manage the game, you can't start missing the easy throws. And he didn't. He, he didn't need to make any extremely difficult throws, but he hit the ones, all the ones that were given to him. And yeah, sure, he missed maybe one deep ball to Watson, but you know, on the other few, you had interference that the refs didn't call because they hate calling things on Watson. So I'm going to give myself the W in this. Uh, he played exactly how I w- I've wanted him to all year. Uh, again, sometimes he has played like this, but this was another one of those performances where he played the way that he needed to, and I was very happy with him. My second guy, Jair Alexander. 11 and 19, that's my record now, W here. There's not much else to say, thank you as always. No, just kidding. Jair Alexander, what a freaking call by me. I said, I said, guys, watch Jair Alexander. Watch Jair Alexander, even if he hasn't always lined up in press man against Justin Jefferson. Well, he was lined up in press man against Justin Jefferson plenty of times, but he also was not, and every time he made plays, my goddamn player to watch, we all came in. And we said, yeah, yeah, Justin Jefferson's probably going to get his, even with Jair matched up on him. That probably means, you know, five or six for 95 or so. Well, Jair lined up against Justin Jefferson something like 65% of the time, which, by the way, thank you, Joe Barry. That's a lot more than I would have expected. And Jefferson's stats were one catch for 100, for not 100, 115 minus 100, one catch, 15 yards, zero touchdowns. That's less than getting his. That's getting not much at all. That's just getting the S. You take his and you take away the H and the I, you get S. That's basically what Justin Jefferson got. He he got less than, than an S. 
He got half of an S. He got like a C. The top half of an S, basically a C. He got a C. That's what Justin Jefferson got because Jair Alexander absolutely dominated Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, a guy that's widely, widely considered the league's second best receiver behind only Devontae Adams, who made yet another insane catch today with the Raiders. But Jair Alexander said, okay, that's great. We're, we're going to have our fun here. I don't really care, though, because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut you down. And that's what he did in, <laughs> in the locker room after the game. He was wearing a giant hat. Brian Robinson's friend's going to be a millionaire by now. Brian Robinson's friend, you know, went famous for making those big, massive hats. Jair Alexander was wearing one of them. Uh, Elton Jenkins reportedly gifted it to him. And he said, hey, Skip and Shannon, you know, guys from Undisputed, you guys got to start learning about what you're talking about because they said I'm a good corner. I'm not a good corner. I'm a great corner. I'm a great corner. He is. He's a top three cornerback in the NFL, and he just came out today absolutely on one gritty. I mean, it was first quarter. Packers up 7-3. It wasn't a blowout or anything at that point. First quarter, about six minutes left, 6.30 or something. Kirk Cousins throws a, tries to throw a back shoulder ball down the sideline. Justin Jefferson, not a very good ball. Justin Jefferson tries to turn around, makes the catch, or and make the catch. Jay Alexander puts, gets his hand in between Jefferson's arms, knocks the ball away. <laughs> Jay Alexander, not looking at Justin Jefferson, not doing anything super egregious, just kind of walks away, grittying, right? You know, the, the celebration Justin Jefferson went so famous for. Well, Justin Jefferson was kind of a little baby about that one. He said, quote, I thought it was taunting. That was, first of all, I thought it was a taunting call, but it is what it is. He stuff he does stuff like that to try to get in my head and stuff like that. It is what it is, even from his comments leading into this game. It's all just talk. Jerry Alexander said it was a fluke. That's what Justin Jefferson's referring to. It's just trying to give him that booster, that confidence to go out there and guard me. It is what it is. We are probably going to see this team in the playoffs, so I guess we'll see then. Well, well. Too bad, right? Too bad. Sorry, sorry, Justin Jefferson. Jair Alexander got the better of you today. That's just the way it is. I don't know why you think it should have been a taunting call. I mean, then is every time you score a touchdown a gritty? Is that all, every time a, a taunting call? I don't know. But Jair Alexander, what a freaking call by me. That'll make me 11-19 and 19 on the year in players to watch. I'm catching up slowly but surely. We're going to get to that 500 mark. Now, <laughs> the only way I get to that 500 mark is if the Packers go on a a heater here and make it, you know, to the NFC Championship or Super Bowl or so. But I think that can happen. Do it for me, Packers. That's what I need. As always, thank you very much for listening to Dedicated Packers. Appreciate it. Appreciate all of the support, everything. We're getting our views up quickly, actually. We've, we've had a big increase in the last few days. So as always, thank you very much for listening to Dedicated Packers. And until next time. Go Pack Go!